In this week's In-Ear Insights, let's talk about SEO, search engine optimization, as we head into the remainder of 2022 and into 2023. There's a whole lot that has happened in the last three, six, nine, 12 months in SEO. We've seen new models come out from Google and plenty of announcements, uh, huge algorithm changes like the Google Helpful Content Update. And one of the things that we've been talking about internally uh, at Trust Insights is how much SEO expertise you need. Now, Google just released yet again some brand new guidelines, um, and they've, they're actually much simpler than they used to be. So there's two parts. One, make sure your site works. <laughs> and two, here's a list of things not to do, and it was all you know, spammy stuff, uh, basically things that were like working SEO tricks 15 years ago that aren't anymore. So Katie, when we talk about SEO and, and doing SEO and, and whether you need to be an SEO expert, what comes to mind first for you? I mean, the first word is optimization. Um, you know, and so it's, you know, the, basics that I usually go through when creating content is making sure that I have a focus keyword, making sure that the content is formatted correctly, that it's long enough, that it's answering <clears throat> the question being asked. Um, and that if there are backlinks to include, I include them. Or if I have a way to get other people to backlink to our content, that I do that. So I make sure that all of those things are in place. So that in my head is you know, if I'm doing those things, then I'm at least checking the boxes on basic SEO. I'm not going too deep, but I'm not ignoring it. Okay. I'm going to suggest, oh boy. actually, what I would like you to do briefly <laughs> is, could you recap in general mm -hmm. the five Ps? Sure. Um, the five Ps are purpose, people, process, platform, and performance. Purpose being, what is the question... Um, being answered, what's the problem you're solving, people, who's involved in it, both internally and externally, process, how are you doing the thing, uh, platform is what are you using to do the thing, and performance is were you successful, what is your measure of success? Okay. For people doing SEO, because of the nature in which Google's AI models now work, um, beyond the technical basics, you know, making sure the site works, doing all the, the usual housekeeping stuff, the most important thing that you can do as a content creator is build a sort of a 5P checklist for the consumer. So what is the purpose of the content you're creating? Like what, you know, to your, your point, what questions does the content answer? Who is consuming the content? Who are the people that are, are reading the thing that you want to have reading? Um, the process, how do people consume your content, right? Which dictates the platform. Do people want to read your content? Do they want lots of cool pictures? Do they want video? Do they want audio? All of these are modalities that Google now supports in its enhanced AI models. And then performance, what, what is the next step for the customer after they've consumed their content? Now, obviously as marketers, we want them to like, hey, buy our stuff. But realistically, should there be other performance measures? So from that perspective, Katie, when, we, when you take a look at your average blog post that you're working on, walk through how you would think about the five Ps with uh, you know, a piece of content you're working on from the customer's perspective. From the customer's perspective, you know, I would, I mean, the, the first four Ps, purpose, people, process, and platform, I think you have those pretty well covered. It's the performance, the measure of success 
that I think you need to get a little bit deeper on. And so you said that the measure of success in that example was some sort of taking an action. Um, I would say even prior to that, it's did you reach people where they're at? Did you create content that people actually wanted? And that comes through, you know, different metrics such as impressions and clicks and engagement um, and return users and, you know, that page being one that contributes to conversions. And so making sure that you're looking at your measures of success from all angles, because if your measure of success is purely, I want people to take the call to action from where I sit, I feel like that's too vague of a measure. Um, it doesn't really tell me if we were successful because let's say the call to action is a contact form. Well, guess what? That's not the only piece of content that leads to the contact form. So I need to understand, was this particular piece of content helpful? And so that goes back to what is the purpose of doing this whole exercise in the first place? Well, the purpose is to create a piece of content that people will find helpful and will then lead them to take some kind of an action. And then mm -hmm. you start to go back through, well, who are the people we want to take the action? Who's the person who needs to create the content? What is the process for getting the content created? What is the dissemination process? And then the platform, where is this disseminated? Where is it hosted? How easily can they access it? Is it gated or not? And then you go back to performance. Exactly. So you have the five P's from the marketer's perspective mm -hmm. and then the five P's from the consumer's perspective. Absolutely. One of the things that that I heard you say was taking a look at like your keywords and stuff when you're when you're creating content. Again, let's flip that around. How would you take a keyword phrase mm -hmm. and how would you create a customer user story around that? Take something like um, uh, marketing mix as, mm -hmm. as your keyword phrase. How would you turn that into a, a user? What is a user story and how would you turn that into a user story? So a user story is a simple sentence that has three parts to it. As a persona, I want to sew that. So the as a persona, the persona is the person, the audience, the uh, I want to is the intent and the so that is the outcome. And so basically the formula is you create these user stories to help get organized so that you have the audience, you have how you're going to do it and you have what the outcome is. So in this instance, so marketing mix was the keyword, right? Yes. Um, so it's as a marketer, I want to understand what the marketing mix is so that I can apply it to my current marketing plans. So that's a very straightforward user story, but that then gives you the roadmap of, okay, now I know what my content needs to be about for this marketer. I need to explain what marketing mix is and how to use it in their marketing. Right. And from what you were saying, then how does that apply to the performance from that, from the user's perspective, how would you measure the performance of that piece? So I would measure the performance of that piece by the amount of traffic that it gets, the amount of reshares that that piece of content gets, because those are indicators that people have found it helpful and that it answered the question. Okay. So when we talk about upgrading our SEO practices, one of the things that you'll note is that there's not a whole lot of technical you know, fumbling around here other than, you know, make sure your website works. You've mm -hmm. got, uh, you know, a logical progression, but for the most part, it's about creating helpful content. And that, and this is something that, you know, maybe you should, you can talk about is you've expressed frustration in the past that a lot of our keyword lists and things that, you know, various tools generate 
aren't super helpful by themselves. And I was wondering if that's because we don't attach user stories to the keywords. I find our list unhelpful because it's because of its redundancy, because of its limited. We've expanded our keyword list to a few thousand keywords. So it's not a small list, but the way in which we look at it in terms of, you know, we use a predictive forecast to understand the popularity of any given search term during the course of the year. But then we also look at it in terms of uh, volume and difficulty. And what I get frustrated with is that I keep coming back to like the same half dozen keywords over and over again. And so I start to move down the list in terms of, well, nobody's really searching for this thing, but we could create content around it. And is that then become a waste of time because nobody's really searching for this thing? Or are they not searching for it because that's not the way that they would talk about it or we don't know what questions they have about it. And so I find keyword lists limiting and frustrating for those reasons. Okay. Do you see people or and when you read people's content, content that is, is decent content, do you see the use of the user story in implicit in the content itself? You know, I don't know. I've, I've never looked at it from that perspective. Um, because a user story in some ways, in terms of you think about it in terms of content, you have a basic framework of, you know, what, why, and how. And so you could map a user story back to that in terms of what is it? Why do I need it? How do I use it? Uh, a user story would be, you know, who needs it? How do I use it? And what is it? You know, and so in some ways, good content does map to a user story, just not in that exact way. It should answer the what, why, and how. Um, you know, but understanding the intent of the uh, end user. So what do they want to get out of the content? We can tell them how to apply it to their marketing, but maybe that wasn't their intent. Right. I, I guess I'm on this angle because there's still a lot of folks in the, in the search engine optimization world that are looking for the next technical trick, the next shortcut, the next magic button to make SEO easier or faster or whatever. And given the complexity of the AI models that power SEO nowadays, mm -hmm. the days of the easy tricks are, are, are done. I mean, they've been done for a while. Um, and as a result, to, to reach the next level of content creation, you've got to step up to uh, actually helpful content. Even things like you know, AI-generated content, when we look at the outputs of these things, they don't really fulfill user stories. Like they sound good. They sound mm -hmm. coherent and readable, but there's a reason why Google's come up with an algorithm adjustment like the helpful content update because a lot of the stuff that machines are repurposing and, and sort of regurgitating isn't super useful. It, it doesn't, when you read a, a piece of machine generated content, it's pretty clear there isn't a user story embedded in it. It's just mm -hmm. a regurgitation of some, some basics. Well, and, you know, to sort of step backward, this was one of the reasons why I wanted to create a framework like the five P's, because what I was seeing was a lack of emphasis on the people and the purpose. And I felt like those were steps that were missing in, you know, digital transformation or in, you know, artificial intelligence. It's implied that people have been taken into consideration, but it's not really uh, 
you know, demonstrated that they've been taken into consideration. And so I have started my one person revolution to change that in terms of the five P's and, and putting people and the purpose right up front. Um, because ultimately at the end of the day, people are the ones consuming this content. People are the ones who need to do something with this content. People are the ones who are programming these AI models and these algorithms and all of these things. And it tends to get overlooked and forgotten. And so there's a real person at the end of the line, either on the internal or the external side of it. How do you keep marketers <clears throat> from being too self-centered? Because one of the things that <laughs> is likely to happen is the marketers going, I'm going to write a user story for this piece. As a marketer, I need 500 visits on this content piece so that I can generate 15 leads, which is a valid user story, mm -hmm. but it doesn't help the customer. And Google is focused on helping the customer, not helping us, the marketers. Well, that's why you need to be creating user stories from the perspective of the customer. It's an exercise that tries to get you to step into the shoes of your end user. And it's so I would say in that case, you know, it's not as a marketer, it's as the end user, I want to find content that answers my questions about marketing mix so that I know how to use it in my marketing planning. And so it's this roughly the same user story, but by starting it with as the end user versus as a marketer, which is a little too vague, um, someone else who might be reading that user story might go, okay, but you've still made it about yourself because no end user is gonna say as an end user, I want to read content that's going to get me to click on things 15 more times. That's re that's not a realistic user story. But how do you get people out of that mindset of I've got to make this thing about me. I've got to I've got to make, you know, my content about me. I got to get people to click on my stuff. <sighs> I mean, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him put on a bathing suit. And so if you are working with someone who is stuck in that let's call it the narcissistic mindset of it's all about me and what I need, then their content is going to fail because if they're just writing content from their perspective, then it's just for them. It's for nobody else and nobody's going to want to read it. So in some ways it's a lesson they have to learn on their own when the content does not do well. Okay. But what if my job is to contingent on the content doing well and my, my boss doesn't understand this. Like, no, no, no there's means like 10 more links in there, 10 more buttons calls, 10 more calls to action, make the logo bigger. Then it, you know, it's, it's a really interesting question. And you're asking me <clears> about <throat> human psychology versus just creating content. Um, you know, I don't have a quick answer for you, like a quick snappy answer, but it's something that takes time. It's something that takes, you know, consistent examples of what's working and what's not working. And there does need to be some failure built in so that people can understand this is why your approach needs to be, you know, modified. Um, you know, it's, I could ask you the same question, like, Chris, how do you get, you know, how would you make me less selfish? And it's not something that like you'd be able to do overnight, I would imagine. No, but I, I think your piece of advice in there about 
having a book of examples like here's content that does really well go into mm -hmm. the seo tool of your choice pull out you know put in your keyword like marketing mix or whatever yeah. pull out the top performing pieces and and go through them qualitatively one by one and say look how many calls to action there aren't in mm -hmm. these pieces right look how long and in-depth this piece go over to like you know, Orbit Media Studios, Andy Crestonina's blog posts, and look how many sales pitches there aren't in these mm -hmm. 10,000 word pieces that are designed to be helpful. And then look at content that is clearly self-centered. Even just the language. I mean, uh, a real simple exercise is to go through and, and just count up how many times do you say I or we versus how many times do you say you in mm -hmm. your writing, right? How are you writing to the person on the other end of the the screen that when we when you have that right mindset you're going to start changing the behavioral metrics that again google takes into account things like pogo sticking do you go into a, a listing and then it pop right back out like nope that didn't answer my question next result and so mm -hmm. on and so forth how much time do you spend consuming content um do you look for related content on a site all of these things are behaviors that google obviously can track with Android devices and Chrome browsers and stuff, as well as their own servers. Mm -hmm. And we know that they do play a participating role in the ranking of, of sites as to how helpful something is. If someone pogo sticks into a piece of AI content and they're like, wow, this was totally unhelpful, mm -hmm. it, it does weigh against it. So to, to, to answer the question, it would be showcasing the metrics of, here are the pieces that we know do well and here are the pieces, here's our stuff, and looking at the language that you use in between the two and say, like, yeah, we need to be talking less about us and more about you. Or you tell that content writer, congratulations, you've been promoted to the sales team. Because <laughs> there, is, there is a place for that kind of content, but you need to be clear about what your intention is with that content. And so if you say, this is a sales pitch, people expect it to be all about you versus this is a piece of helpful content to educate you, then they expect it to be about them. And so either type of content is fine, as long as you're clear about the intention of what it is. Right. And that goes back to having the user story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the reason we bring all this up is because We've been talking to some folks in the in the content and the SEO industry over the last few months as we've been out and about at all these different events. And some folks who have some more, I guess, behind the scenes, inside lines have been saying that the changes that happened in 2022, they're not one and done. These are continually evolving changes in how search engines rank content. And mm -hmm. we know that Google's you know, multitask unified model, that's the, the fancy name for the new one, is continuing to evolve. It's, it's not just rolled out and that's that. It, it is learning uh, as it goes from all the data that's being generated. So the, the more unhelpful your content is, the more it doesn't have a user story, the less well it's going to do over time. Mm -hmm. It's been very interesting looking even at the, you know, our own metrics, the Trust Insights metrics. Uh, we started doing um, repairs on just some of our basic stuff back in August. We saw, you know, slight nudges upward here and there. And then in the last couple of weeks, as the latest core algorithm uh, rolled out, our numbers went really high in terms of, you know, uh, search traffic. It's, you know, search has moved up from like number five in our attribution model to like number two mm -hmm. in terms of channel importance. And I suspect it's because 
as we've, you know, we've been creating helpful content, trying to create helpful content for a while, but now the algorithms are more aligned to the type of content we have. And so for us, our next steps, I think would, you know, as we start planning our content more for for the coming years is to say, look, maybe we do need user stories, particularly if we're going to subcontract with anybody, you know, having that user story at the top of the creative brief probably would be super helpful for folks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, the purpose of a user story is to keep focus. It's to make sure that every action that you're taking, you know, aligns back to the overall goal that you're trying to reach. And so that's what a user story is meant to accomplish. It's meant to make sure that you are involving the right people is meant to make sure that you are taking the right actions. And it's meant to make sure that you are answering the question being asked, whatever that question may be. And so, you know, we include user stories in reporting in terms of what is this report meant to do? I don't see why we wouldn't include it in a piece of content. What is this piece of content meant to do? It's essentially just another version of an outline that you would give to a writer. It's really interesting that you mentioned that because when I think about when we create content, we don't necessarily define the, the first part of the user story as a, you know, Mm-hmm. e-commerce manager or a marketing or a CMO or whatever, we, we typically will have a keyword and a topic, but not necessarily a person in mind that because you could then take that same user story, uh, the same topic like marketing mix mm-hmm. as a CMO, mm-hmm. you know, ha- marketing mix would be different than as an e-commerce manager. It would be, be very different content with the same keyword, but a very different user story. No, and that's true. And, you know, when I write content, I think I write for the general marketing space versus a, you know, specialty or, you know, an executive level. But I do think that there's definitely something there in terms of, you know, one, so this could sort of go back into like the usefulness of a keyword list and making sure that you're uh, not cannibalizing yourself, trying to rank for the same keyword in a bunch of different things, but different flavors of the same topic uh, for different audiences that are related you know, the CMO, the marketing director, the marketing associate, so on and so forth, and creating the kind of content that they might necessarily care about. And so this could start to feed into your hero hub help content plan, you know, the the hero being as a CMO, the uh, hub being as the marketing director and the help being as the, you know, marketing associate. Definitely. And also the you know, to kind of what you're saying about unpacking user stories, it's sort of the why, what, and how, mm-hmm. right? The how is very much that, that helpful content. The hub is, you know, the, what is the thing? And mm-hmm. then the, the hero content is why are we even talking about this thing? Why is, do I need to, to, to focus on this? Last week when we were doing our own internal reviews of some of our marketing data, you know, we were commenting that you know, things like the private social media communities paper, that is very much a, a why thing. Why, why does this thing, even, why do I need to pay attention to this? Um, it is not a it is not a how to document at all, right. and having a, a content plan that incorporates all three. I think if you were to unpack a user story about it, because um, I remember you know, one of the things I, when I was doing this, you actually made me write out the user story mm-hmm. before I started working on the paper. I did because I was struggling to see the intention of the content. Like I'm, I'm sure you had it in your mind, but in order for me to help you know, edit and polish it, I needed to understand who is this content for? Yep. I, I have another piece of content I need you to take a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, it sounds like that 
as you're building out a content calendar, if you're stuck with the same old keyword list, mm -hmm. maybe writing out user stories for your top 10 keywords um, would make it more specific. And then you're no longer beating a dead horse. Now you're, you're digging down to specific audiences. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things that I love that Andy Crestodina said at, at Marketing Profs B2B Forum and at Content Marketing World is that specificity correlates with conversion. The more specific that something is, the higher it tends to convert. So if we take something like um, you know, change management as a very generic term mm -hmm. and we build out a user story for change management for a very specific role, yeah, 90% of people will be like, yeah, that article's not for me. But for the 10% of people like, yeah, that, that's for me, they will eagerly dig in. Well, and what's interesting about change management uh, is, you know, the user story is the anchor of change management because in order for change management to be successful, people need to understand how they specifically are impacted. And so that then, you know, translates into how am I specifically impacted by this piece of content? How am I specifically impacted by this measurement plan? And that's why putting people up front in this process is so important. And so the user stories, I do believe should be detailed. You know, you can have it from the perspective of your stakeholder, from the perspective of yourself, from the perspective of a prospect or, you know, a repeat customer, and just trying to understand from their lens, what do they need out of this thing? And how does that change it? So it sounds like Unfortunately for, for me and my love of toys, uh, it does not sound like the future of SEO in 2023 is going to be awesome new uh, models, although it might be in some, some small part. It doesn't sound like new, no, new techniques or gadgets, but it does sound like the use of user stories and the 5Ps framework would dramatically focus uh, uh, people's SEO efforts to, mm -hmm. to generate more of the content that the audiences actually want. And is this fair to say if you're struggling to create a user story for a piece of content, you probably don't need to write that piece of content because there isn't a there there. I would agree with that, with the caveat that you can, you know, always dig a little bit deeper. But yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of a user story. If there's no user story for it, if there's nothing that logically makes sense, this probably needs to just go back into the, you know, back burner pile and you can revisit it later. Um, you know, in a real example. So I made you create that user story for the dark social, uh, the communities, the private communities paper, not dark social, I apologize, the private communities. And so I would imagine that the next phase of that is, okay, so you've created the why, like, why do we care about this thing? How can you use that same content and repurpose it for a, you know, what do I do with private communities and make it that how to not start to bring it down to that next uh, level of content so that people can go, oh, okay, now I know what it is. Now I know why I care about it. How the heck do I use this thing? Yeah, spoiler. Uh... <laughs> spoiler, that's the content you want me to review. No, 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 no. That's that's the book I'm going to be writing in November. I'm going to instead of writing a novel for NanoRime, I'm going to try and write that book. Uh, no, there's I've got a different uh, paper on the Great Marketing Reboot. What I would recommend, um, and I would be interested to see how this exercise plays out, is set a user story for each chapter. And then that mm -hmm. way, the chapter itself, because I know for me, when I'm writing, I can tend to sort of go off on tangents and then be like, wait, how do I get myself back to this thing? But if I have a user story for, you know, a chapter or a section, then I can at least go, 
wait, does this fit in here? So maybe not for the initial draft, but for the editing process. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it might be worth a try because uh, we have to I have to crank out two thousand words a day uh, is is the uh, the requirement. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, and let's be clear, this is a self inflicted requirement. It's part of the contest. Fair enough. So, um, for your own SEO planning, if you're as you're planning out and you're looking at your keyword list and you're saying to yourself, "Gosh, it feels like there's nothing new. It feels like we're mm -hmm. we're straining." Adopt the five piece process, adopt user stories into your SEO process, make your content more specific, make your content more focused around as a whoever your audience is, mm -hmm. uh, they need you so that uh, mm -hmm. and see how it changes your content planning and your content creation as we head into the new year. If you've got comments or questions or any, you want to share user stories that you've built for your own content, pop on over to our free Slack group. Go to uh, trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers where you and over 2,800 other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And wherever it is you watch or listen to the show, if there's a platform you'd rather have it on, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast and you can find the show wherever it is you prefer to enjoy it. And while you're there, uh, leave us a rating and a review. It does help promote the show and, and get it to to more people so they can be more helpful. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time.